Business Matters in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. The part-time Level 8 Honours degree in business is delivered through a mix of online and face-to-face lectures. Email execedbusiness at lyit.ie. That's E-X-E-C-E-D business at lyit.ie or call 9186206. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. Later in the programme, we'll be talking to the CEO and Artistic Director of the Erical Arts Festival, Paul Brown. My first guest this week is Lisa Breslin, Creative Director and Founder of Imagine Lab Design, which she runs from her office in Lifford and the DigiHub at the base in Stranorder. Having worked in the graphic and motion design sector for 20 years, Lisa set up her own business nine months ago after she was made redundant. She has clients in Ireland and the UK, and is hoping to secure a number of US clients over the coming months. Lisa, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Thank you. Lisa, has graphic and motion design always been your thing? Yes, it has. Just from a young age, I was always interested in design and colours. Um, straight after school, went straight in and did my degree in the LYAT and straight into work where I worked in print. And straight from that, I went and decided to upskill um, and went and did a master's in motion graphics. So I went from print um, and working on branding straight into working in TV and working on programs such as James May's Things You Need to Know. So I've always had that kind of drive and kind of love everything design. So just going back to, to the very start of, of your passion for it, where did that come from? Um, I'm not too sure. I just remember from a young age, always just enjoying art and always kind of doing patterns and drawing and painting. So I just think it was always just something I loved. And when I was at school, I just always remember thinking, how how do I now make money from something I love? And it's kind of that's been the drive ever ever since. So you had identified a very clear pathway from a young age, Lisa? Yeah, and I suppose I, I was lucky that I did, that I had a passion for something and I found a, a career in it and I've enjoyed my career to date. So, yeah, I, I suppose I'd say I was a lucky one that I knew kind of early on what I wanted to do. 22 years since you first started at LYAT, studying what you've uh, pursued a career in. Talk to me uh, about that stage of your life. When I was a student, I um, suppose I didn't really know what graphic design was that much then. I mind just thinking, this looks exciting, this looks um, really creative, um, and I mind thinking, this is going to be something where I can earn a living and build a career. Um, it's so different now because I teach first years now, so I can see it's such a difference from when I started and what they do, um, they're a lot more technical advanced. When I started, I had to learn all the programs from scratch, um, whereas now they have YouTube and they're learning these programs a lot earlier. It's different, but is it easier now? Um, is it easier now? I don't know. I think there's a real generation and cu- culture change. Um, I don't think it's easier. I think it might be harder to be seen now because there is so much out there with YouTube and Instagram and, and LinkedIn and everything. There's We're immersed in it so much, so it's probably harder to be noticed and to be seen. Um, it's probably easier in the sense that you have those platforms. Talk to me uh, about your work experience before you decided to make the jump and go solo last year. Yeah, uh, so my career, as I mentioned, started um, in design studios, primarily um, working on brand and strategies and 
um, imagery for print, really, you no know, brochures and things like that. Um, and then during the recession, I decided to go and upskill. Um, I wanted to learn animation and motion graphics, so I did the master's in the LYT then, and straight away I got a job um, with 360 Production in Derry and got a chance to work on amazing projects, uh, James May's Things You Need to Know, and which was broadcast on BBC and BBC Worldwide. Then I also got to work on the James May um, YouTube channel, which was amazing at the time. It was the first time money was actually being spent on original YouTube content. It's something we're really used to now, but back then it was a real start of it all, um, which was great. Has it surprised you uh, at the huge uh, rise in YouTube and similar uh, social media platforms and how they're able to make so much money now? Yeah, it is, because I suppose I was there. I felt like I was there at the beginning of it, and now I'm kind of seeing it's kind of... Um, just kind of went right over and it's it's huge, it really is huge and it, it's amazing to see these platforms for creatives and that they can, you know, someone coming out of college could set up themselves right now and get themselves seen and noticed straight away. Lisa, can you talk to me uh, about the decision to set up your own business back in September of last year? Yes, um, I suppose COVID was the cat last. I was made redundant um, in March 2020 um, well, not redundant straight away, but I was furloughed and then redundant then six months later. So I had six months off um, to think about my career and my family. And I got six months to just take time out, which I never had before. I was straight into work um, and always working. Um, so I had these six months to, to really think about what I wanted to do. And I had six months to prioritize my family. I have two young boys. So... Uh, once I was re made redundant, I had decided I'm going to work for myself, but just out of fear of the pandemic, I went straight into employment. Um, I did so for nine months and I really enjoyed that job, but that niggle to start my own business just never went away. So I left that job um, last summer and started the business then officially in September last year. Lisa, does being your own boss make it some way easier when it comes to juggling a business and rearing a young family? Yes, um, I think that was the main purpose for me. I, I did love my career to date and I did love everything I worked on and I got the chance to kind of build up experience now that allows me to bring a multidisciplinary service to my clients. Um, but my family does come first as well and my two boys are very young and um, they're only five and eight so I get to be there in the morning now um, and get them ready to go to school. Um, I'm there when they come back from school. When I worked full time, 95, Monday to Friday, they were in childcare all day and I never got to see them till six o'clock. So I would say my lifestyle has changed and I get to spend a lot more time with my family, which is much better for me. Um, and uh, the business is allowing me to do that. Yeah. And the way of working in general has changed all over the world too, Lisa, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'm, my business came remotely. I work remotely. Um, I work out of the DigiHub as well in Stenorler. But my clients at the minute, I have two in London. Um, I have one in Dublin, one in Wexford. Um, I have digital uh, marketing partners um, in Drogheda and in Belfast. So I'm working with people all over Ireland and the UK and I've been talking, having meetings with a potential client in New York as well. So 
I can go global from my little office in in Lifford um, and from the Digi Hub in, here in Stranorlar. I don't have to travel. I can do everything remotely. So Zoom is quite active in your house? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> lots of Zoom, Zoom meetings and lots of Zoom networking. And it, it's been great, to be honest. It, it really helped my business, all the remote networking. I have such a huge network now because I'm part of... Awaken Hub, and I was part of the She Generate, and I was part of Acorns, um, and Donegal Women in Business, and I got to meet so many amazing women from all over Ireland through all those networks. Lisa, you mentioned your clients. Can you outline some of the services that that you provide? Yes. So we're a brand and strategy um, business, so it's all creative services. So we want to help. Um, companies build their creative content so we build brand and strategies so that's for startups who may not have any content at all may not have a corporate identity or a logo so we can help them but we also help companies that already are established um, and we help them elevate their brand so we do this through building um, content for them so it's all about digital content and primarily we work with SaaS companies so that is software as a service and those companies need lots of marketing content and we can do that we build animated video explainers so we can do we can write their script we can do their storyboarding we direct the voiceover and do the final edit and so we do all that in-house we also then build content um, that goes along with that so ebooks and infographics that can be used for lead generation on their websites and we can also help build e-learning content then for customer retention. Lisa, I'm reminded of the old saying, I think it was Coca-Cola back in the mid-90s, image is everything, thirst is nothing, obey your thirst. Are we living in a world now where image actually is everything? Yes, um, we are bombarded every day with visual content, um, whether that's on Netflix or it's on Instagram or social. So it's really, really important for businesses now to really look at their marketing content and think, how do we reach our potential customer? How do we talk to our audience? And the best way to do that at the minute is through visual content, and it is through um, animated visual content as well. So I love taking um, a complicated um, software solution and really simplifying that for the user. And so we can create uh, a one-minute uh, animated piece and that can go on uh, a homepage and tell that, that can quickly tell a story of what that company's software does in a real quick um, instance rather than someone having to click through a website. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make engaging, digestible um, content that's user-friendly. Lisa, you were part of the She Generate program for early startup businesses recently. Can you talk to me a wee bit about that process and the main takeaways you took from it? Yes, the She Generate was part of the Awaken Hub. Um, Awaken Hub started during COVID and I kind of became a member of that pretty quickly. Um, it's an amazing um, network. So they, last September I applied for their She Generate program, so it was for female founders. Um, and then I got the news, um, I think it was, was it October, that I, I got a place on it. So it was amazing. They had hundreds of people interested in it and 56 of us got on. So it was really, really amazing to be part of that. Um, we met up once a month um, on Zoom. <laughs> 
and and it was great that you were just meeting females that were in the same boat doing the same thing trying to set up their business we're all at different levels our businesses are all different and we're all learning from each other plus we were then we all had a different mentor every week who was telling you know taking us through different aspects of building your business so it was just really amazing for me because it was just right at the time I was setting up my business so it was just taking me through all the stages each month which was brilliant and then it was so amazing then to be chosen there were six of us chosen then to pitch at the very end and I got to pitch my business then to over 100 people online um how was that experience it was brilliant it was brilliant um I have to say I was just so chuffed to be pitching, um, and the, the, the female bus- business owners that I was pitching along with, like their businesses are amazing. So I was just, I was just really, really happy, um, to be chosen and be given the opportunity. And it was just a brilliant community. And you just felt the real support from the founders of Awaken Hub that night when you were pitching. They just seen us all grow over that year of being on the program. Well, it was over eight months. So they've seen us all grow hugely. Like I went from not really even having a business. It was just a business idea to now having a business and clients uh, in Ireland and the UK and, and hopefully further. The the day after the pitch, I got an email from a business in New York and I've had a meeting with them already. And I could be global in a few weeks if that goes ahead. But um, it's amazing um, how far you can reach through networking. Um, I have to say the the networking for me during COVID has been amazing. The Zoom networking and getting to meet so many people has been it's been amazing. Like I'm I'm going on holidays in a couple of weeks time, and I've so many people to meet all over Ireland, um, in different counties, in Clare, in Roscommon, in Dublin because I've met them all through all the programs I've been doing. You sound happy being your own boss. Was we right? Happy now, yes. At the very, very start, it was, it's scary. Don't get me wrong. You're, you're standing making the decision. Am I leaving full, am I mad leaving full-time employment, um, in the middle of a pandemic? You know, you're, you're standing on the edge of a cliff going, what is going to happen here? But it was now or never for me. Um, I have 20 years experience in what I do and I thought now's the time to do it. Um, it's tough at the beginning. But to be honest, those networks really kept me going, being part of all those networks that I was part of, the Acorns, the Awaken Hub, the Donegal Women in Business. They all were a big part of kind of helping me along. Um, and I just, it was just my time to start my business. Um, it's been a roller coaster. You have your ups and downs. You have your peaks and troughs. And I think it was all about mindset for me. Um, at the very start, it was, you know, you are the master. But you're also the master for bringing in your own money. So it can be a bit scary, but you get to understand how it works. You get to see how it, how it flows and you get to see that the peaks and troughs happen. Um, you could be quiet one week and really busy the next. And I've kind of un- I understand that now. Did that take a bit of getting used to? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a real mindset thing because I was employed for 20 years, you know, having that, salary coming in you know that kind of cushion that safety um and working in teams um so now when you're working on your own you have to wear all hats you know you have to be you have to i'm a creative person so it, it, it's hard to kind of be the bookkeeper um i have to make sure i'm doing my own marketing even though i'd rather do it for other people um 
and it's just making sure you're kind of keeping on top of, of everything. Um, the finances probably were the hardest for me because as a creative, it's, it, the numbers were just, were hard for me, but I'm, I'm getting there and there was the supports of Leo as well. And I did the start your own business course and everything as well. So, um, recommend that to anyone kind of thinking about starting up a business. Lisa, you're 20 years plus in, in the sector that you're in. Uh, and then the other side of the coin is you're just nine months uh, on from start, starting your own business. Is there one lesson that you've learned uh, best so far? For starting up my own business? Um, I would say networking. Get that network around you because being employed, you're in teams and you've got a team of people around you. Um, you don't have that when you're on your own, when you're starting out. I think it's really important having a... A real strong network around you because you just don't know who who can answer a question or who has been there before or who could maybe know someone that could pass you on to someone that you're struggling with a certain thing like if it is finances or or things like that you know there, there'll always be someone that can help you is there a person or people in business that you admire most Lisa? um this is a this is a hard one because suppose there, there's lots and I've just met so many amazing people this year. I would probably at the minute say all the founders of Awaken Hub right now, they're all, what they set up is amazing and I love the She Generate, uh, but every, everyone that has set that up are all business owners in their own right and they're taking time out of their, of their businesses to kind of support us setting up ours. So they're really behind females getting started in Ireland and getting females um, setting up their own businesses. So I, I love that. And finally, Lisa, what does the future hold for yourself and your business? Um, so the future, I want to be able to employ. I want to be able to, I lecture as well at the ATU. So I would love to be able to employ graduates from the ATU. Um, I want to build up our services and build up relationships with, um, other creatives um, locally and I want to see us kind of go global I want to see us you know, go beyond we're, we're Ireland and the UK at the minute with the potential to go further and I, I would really love to see that Lisa Breslin Creative Director and Founder of Imagine Lab Design thanks for taking the time today to talk to us on Business Matters Thank you Join us after the break when we'll be catching up with the CEO of the Eric Arts Festival Paul Brown. Business Matters, in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. The part-time Level 8 Honours degree in business is delivered through a mix of online and face-to-face lectures. Email execedbusiness at lyit.ie. That's E-X-E-C-E-D business at lyit.ie. Or call 9186206. You're welcome back. The 35th Erical Arts Festival gets underway in earnest on Saturday, July the 11th and the annual event returns around €1.5 million Euro to the local economy. Festival CEO and Artistic Director Paul Brown has been at the helm since 2007. I caught up with Paul as he prepares for a busy two weeks around Donegal. Paul, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Afternoon, Kieran. Paul, how good is it to be looking ahead to an event that's going to be full of actual events? 
Well, we've had two very different years, you know, in 2020 and 2021. So to come back to a full programme in 2022 is is, is uh, a real joy. Um, it has it's plenty of its challenges, and we're relearning some of those uh, challenges that we face every year. But it is such a, a pleasure to be, you know, connecting with people again in person. Um, we had a, we had a, we had a limited hybrid program last year with some limited capacity events, live events. But it's great to be able to bring back a full program with all the partners and all the venues that we work with across the, the across the county. So it's fantastic to, to, to be able to do that. Before we look ahead, maybe to take a step back, Paul, and go back to 2020. How frustrating uh, was it that there was uh, it wasn't able to be to go ahead as normal? Well, I suppose like like, like everybody else, we 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 had to be very very uh, quick to adapt. You know, we had to move quickly to, to repurpose the program back in 2020, particularly because we were just at the stage of actually producing the, the publicity. You know, everything was booked and we had to go back and speak to the artists and see what we could do in terms of a digital program. 2021, we, we were able to produce some more live events as the regulations changed and things, you know, opened up a bit, wee bit more. So, again, it was very different. It had its own challenges around making sure that everybody was kept safe. And then, you know, it's, it, but it, it gives an opportunity. It really gives an opportunity to have some time to think and reflect about, about the direction of the festival as well, too, over the next few years. And we're working on a strategic plan now for the next four years. But the, the lessons learned from 2020 and 2021 are feeding into that as well, too. So we're, we're we, you know, we, we have a large geographic and social remit across Donegal, across, you know, a large part of Donegal. And we're not in, in, in every single part of Donegal. Because um, <clears throat> the festival was set up to do kind of north of the gap, basically, where the Donegal Bay and Blue Stacks does south of the gap. Um, but we wanted to we wanted to try and reach people who wouldn't necessarily have any connection with the festival before, who feel feel maybe a bit disenfranchised or disconnected. So we we set out to to, to develop a lot lot more socially engaged work, uh, working with communities. So that might be migrant communities. Who've made Donegal their home over the years? Whether that's uh, you know people who, uh, young people who, who don't feel that the festival's for them. Um, whether that's people you know in um, in very rural locations as well too, find it you know hard to, to, to connect with with an arts festival, um, and also as well to try and do do work which gives people a voice. You know, so it's their input. It's given them an opportunity to be creative. It's given them an opportunity to, to really engage, to collaborate with other people as well too. Um, so that's that 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 has been a, a big learn part of the learning process over the last couple of years, and feeds feeds into what we're doing now. And are you happy with the buy-in uh, from the communities that you've mentioned? Very much so. Very much so. You know, um, we have a big, big project, a big uh, photographic exhibition where the the Donegal County Museum is running. We're doing we're doing projects around that with the traveller community. Um, we're working with young people, as I said. We did a project around uh, car culture. We're working with young people in Bunkrana Youth Reach and Glengad. You know, it's kind of challenging, kind of you know, some of the the cultural kind of beliefs and kind of behaviours around around some of that. But also, given listening to what those young people are, are saying, you know, that's going to inform our our work. You know, over the next few years, is about about how those people feel about their lives and how they connect with people. And sorry, and I, sorry Paul, what, what sort of messages uh, were you getting in that sort of work? We're, we're getting all sorts of messages. You know, um, another project we're doing, which is by John Ruddy, the animator, he's doing a project called Fado Fado, which is working with young people from ethnic minorities within the county. And there's there's some harrowing kind of um, you know tales coming out from their experiences of actually you know. 
um, leaving their their you know their their their, their previous kind of uh, domicile and coming to Ireland. Um, so you're you're getting people kind of telling you things that you maybe wouldn't ordinarily get it through just going to see a concert or you know watching a a, a play. Um, but we are getting information back is about you know people are saying well that this is important to me you know what what is you know something like like car culture which Patrick Quinn explores in his play revved which is another part of the, the festival this year and it's why we did these workshops with young people around car culture is that you know the significance of, of, of what the car means for their independence their identity you know their self-esteem so those, those things are really really important in terms of understanding that you know because you know unfortunately you know we, we don't always maybe listen to to those voices and I think if we can do it in a creative and artistic way it's a great way of actually giving giving the right vehicle or the right sorry, pardon the pun or the right platform for, for young people to, to be able to express themselves you know because maybe they, they don't feel confident about doing that so you know that, that that's kind of what we're looking at and and but it's also about um, it's also about giving people a chance to to have some joy in terms of you know create a process about being able to create their own little animations and and then that kind of I suppose you know the the, the self esteem aspect is that you know being kind of proud of what they created you know bringing telling their parents and their parents coming and seeing it you know over the years I've done many different projects outreach projects across Donegal and you know. Parents would come along to to the performance or the screening of something that the, that that their kids have made, and they they wouldn't know anything about it. And, t- and when they see it actually, you know, presented in a in a in a performance or 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 a public kind of you know presentation, it's a, it's, a, it's 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 it does something for 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 those for those people involved. You know, it does something great for the for the people who are creating for the young people who are creating it, or for those people who are um, involved in a project to, to see their work, you know, finalized. In a public performance, are you surprised at the reaction and the feedback you've got, Paul? Um, I, it, it, you know, it, it's not. It's 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 a long journey. It's a long process when, when you're when we're doing this kind of work. You know, I think it's um, we're certainly you know we, we we've been doing it over the years. You know, we we we've had various projects that have been workshops and you know outreach based as well too. But you know, I'm not. Um, it's it. It's it's a longer process, you know. So um, we're we're only kind of really starting on that journey now, um, and it is a, it, it, it's it takes time to, to it takes time to actually um, not only deliver the projects, but it takes time in terms of actually reaching the right people as well too. So we're we're delighted we've been able to um, employ you know two great public engagement um, officers, you know, working with the festival this this year as well too to deliver those projects, and um, it, it 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 gives us you know greater, I suppose, greater reach in terms of what the festival does, um, not 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 just necessarily geographically, but in terms of actually uh, demographically, and you know, in terms of who who we're reaching. Paul, we're looking forward to the 35th staging of the Eric Arts Festival and you are in charge for the last 15 years. Huge changes, I'm sure, in that time. Uh, definitely, you know, um, I think the world is a, is a very different place. You know, we, we not long after I came into position, there was the, 
the, the kind of global economic crash that happened, you know, and that had a, a major effect on the festival in terms of actually its, its finance and its funding. Because as a charity, we're, we're, we're publicly funded and that's, you know, we receive that money to, to produce events and, 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 and to be able to subsidize them to make them available to public. Um, but yeah, so, but I think it's not, not only necessarily just economically, but society thinks, think things have changed, you know, quite, quite radically. And that's why as well too, when we had the chance to reflect over the last couple of years about who, who the festival was for or who the festival was, was reaching, as we look at Donegal's a very different place now. You've got, you know, the, the ethnic makeup of Donegal is very different. You know, you have people from all the world who come to Donegal to, to, to make it home. I remember my, my son's, uh, when he was at the national school, you know, it was it was amazing how many different nationalities were represented, you know, in an Irish language national school, you know, in terms of where their where their parents came from or where they they come from. So Donegal's a very different place in terms of that demographic. You know, it's a much more um I think I think Donegal Donegal's always been very, very culturally aware. You know, people are very um very culturally astute, I would say. And, and and it's huge artistic community. You know we're renowned for very much for for its music, but also for its you know its 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 visual art output, for its 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 dramatic work, its you know and and for its poets and 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 writers as well too. So, um, but it's it's interesting to see that 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 has that has continued, you know, and that I think. Given that the people, some people have decided to move out of the urban, the big urban areas, is that Donegal provides, because of that that artistic heritage, it has attracted more people Paul, you know, over the years. Sorry, Paul, is there a better appreciation of the performing arts sector maybe since the pandemic? Even um, well, I, I think I think what happened is that, is that you know maybe maybe the the the, the, the definition of the arts. Was much more understandable, or what it was, or was was much more widely appreciated. People understood the books become very important to them. Film, you know, obviously everybody was tuning into Netflix and other streaming services to kind of, you know, get through the the lockdowns. But then, you know, people would understand that, you know, when you're watching a a, a series like you know something like Stranger Things, which has, you know, Amy Beth McNulty's from Donegal, and in, in that series, you know, is it you realise that 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 film is actually, you know, it's a very important art form. But actors come through drama and theatre and youth theatre and, you know, working on being in plays at school right through to, you know, being playing plays in their local theatre as well too. So I think there's been a, a broader um, understanding of, of, of the importance of, of of what creativity does for people. I think it's you know, it's been so important for, for our mental and, you know, well-being over that period of time to have that access to creative output, you know, whether it's whether it's film or whether it's a book or whether it's music, and you know, I think there there has been appreciation there, and it's certainly I think been reflected in the fact that you know the Arts Council received quite a significant uplift in its funding from from central government, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, which hadn't happened before, you know, and then that was recognised in terms of what the arts w- w- was capable of actually delivering for people in terms of actually you know people's people's well being, people's. Uh, you know, sense of themselves, social cohesion. You know, so it's important that I know we couldn't all get together during during lockdowns, but I think you know is that sometimes artwork brought us together. You know, in terms of being able to kind of connect with what's going on and things that are still being developed and created by by, by artists. Paul, it's a major undertaking pulling a festival of this size together. Uh, can you talk to me a wee bit about the whole process and maybe the team that's involved with you as well? 
Okay, well, um, we we would have um, a team. When it comes to festival time, we have a team of about ten employees. Um, but obviously, the, you know, a number of those people are short-term contract employees as well too. They come in for a period of a few months before during the festival. We have a number of interns that that, that come to the festival this year. We've uh, we've actually three Austrian interns um, with us this year, and we have a, there's numerous other partners, organisations across the county who all their staff are involved as well too. So that's kind of you know it can be sixty, seventy people you know kind of working on elements of the festival. Um, we also we have a great board of directors who are responsible for the, the overall governance of the festival. We've been through a governance review. And we're doing a huge amount of work. I have to thank obviously all those board members because they give their their, their time you know free to to help guide the festival along. Say so we've been kind of going through the charities uh, regulations, um, compliance with the with the with the governance code, and that takes a lot of background work. You know, there's a lot of stuff goes on in the background that that, that, that isn't kind of public facing. But I say the board have been really amazing, and, and our company secretary as well too, in terms of helping to to actually. Um, <clears throat> To drive the festival onwards as well too, to keep it stable, it's it's great to have that stewardship um, from the board as well too. But um, yeah, so it's it is it's 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 quite an undertaking. You know, it kind of accelerates in in pace as we get closer to the to this to the opening day. But um, there's a huge amount of people and a huge amount of work that goes into it, and you know everybody's been you know. Even even with all the other challenges of coming back out of you know out of the pandemic, and even with the challenges of, of you know COVID still being around, is that people have worked really really hard to, to deliver what we're 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 doing this year. Paul, the 2022 festival was launched at Ungreenan uh, just last month, and at the launch, the uh, Cahilia of the council, Jack Murray, probably one of his last engagements before he handed over the chain of office to the councillor uh, Liam Blaney, he said, though primarily a celebration of our vibrant culture there is also a significant economic return through the festival. So it's a major boost to the region as well that way, isn't it? It is, it is. I mean, the the last um, independent economic analysis that was done was done by Indicon back in 2009. And back then, they they estimated it was about 1.5 million euro um, return to the local economy and what the and what the festival created. Um, obviously, the festival's grown since then as well, you know. So it's it's it is a significant economic generator for the for for not a for the fe- for for the county not only in terms of the festival productions themselves, but in terms of the the draw people come to the county during that period to to attend festival events. On average, you know, a visitor coming from outside the county spends about you know seven hundred seven hundred fifty euros in the time that they're here. You know, so that's one person coming in. You know, it's uh, it's, it's quite a significant um, you know return, and it comes on the back of the, the Donegal International Rally, Paul. Only a few weeks ago, yes, yes. Well, I mean, you know, we we see ourselves as kind of just part of part of a bigger jigsaw in terms of what what you know of, of how to celebrate and kind of you know promote Donegal. I think you know during two years of lockdowns where people weren't weren't traveling internationally, Donegal people started to see Donegal a lot more and explore it. Um, and, and realise what an amazing place it is. Now, maybe you know we don't want we, we don't want to, as Philip King once described, the open open cast mining of tourism in the, in the county. <laughs> you know, it's, there, there's some secrets are best kept secret. Um, but you know, I think it, it's been it, the festival is just one of those one of those kind of major events that helps promote the, the county and, and attract people to it. Paul, we're coming ever closer to July the 9th when uh, the festival kicks off in earnest. Uh, is it a matter now of Small, small tweaking 
things here and there, uh, and is it the, uh, the the can before the storm from where you are? Oh, I mean, every day is a different day. You know, we're just dealing with things as they come up. You know, it's kind of it's trying to produce a, a, a festival every year. It's like it's like creating a it's it's like creating a new business or a new shop every single year. And does it have to be different every year, Paul? It, I mean, that we we try and do things that are there's certain things that, that that are that are would be would be not necessarily repeated, but there's certain things that that have been kind of core to what we've been doing. I mean, the Henry Gers residency has been really important over the last few years where people come and spend time making music with them so it's but they're always making new music so it's not they're making the same you know music so it's different it might be the same res- residency but the same artist but it's different different output and so it's it, it does you know we, we try and make it as, as different as possible every year and because there's so much great work out there is we you know we're trying our best with, with the with the resources we have to to be able to work and, and work with partners across the county to, to place things in different locations around the county we can't be everywhere all the time for everyone because we just don't simply have the resources to do so but we do maybe do things differently in different places you know um, from year to year and um, yeah so it's at this stage again when we're leading up to the start of it, it, it there is a bit of fine tweaking with certain things there are things which are <laughs> which are ongoing and, and maybe you know t- takes right up until the, 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 the minute the shutters go up that we actually finally get them done but um yeah, we're, we we say we we have a great team working on it as well too. So you know we we're 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 on course and we put it that way. And in terms of planning, Paul, would I be right in assuming that the the planning for next year's event will happen very shortly after this year's event concludes? Oh, yeah, I mean we're, we're we're already planning for 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 next year. I mean some some projects take two or three years to to come to fruition. <clears throat> you know, in terms of developing it. I mean one of the you know one of the projects. Particularly commission projects take a long time, and and I say that's that that community engagement. Those projects can take a long time. You know, they can start outside of the festival date. So what we have here between the ninth and twenty fourth of July is not necessarily everything that we're doing. You know, there's other things that are ongoing. You know, there's workshop elements that are happening this weekend in Gidor. Um You know, there's I said that there was the outreach elements that we were doing with young people in Bunkran and Glengad. Um, there are commissions that we're working on for the future. There's projects we're looking at because we, you know, we we aim to try and put together a plan for not long after we we, we finish this edition, we'll be kind of working, you know, to to put together a plan for next year, kind of in early September. So yeah, it's it's just you know, it's it's rolling, it's ongoing, you know. Tell me, Paul, what are the two weeks of the festival like for yourself personally? Is it just full on? It is. I mean, as I say, well, you know, it's kind of like you know, over the year you kind of move up the gears, you know. So by the time it comes to the festival, you're you're in fifth gear and the adrenaline's keeping you going. So it's important to try and not, you know, crash down the gears when the festival finishes because then the adrenaline wears off and then that's what that's when you that's when you're susceptible to kind of every kind of you know bug or virus or something knocking around. But it's um, do you enjoy it? It's great to to actually see something that you've been working on for so long actually come into real life. You know, it's kind of it's a it's a process. You know, you, you, you sometimes it's very it's very hard to see it until you actually you're in it. Um, and when you do see that, the biggest thing for me is that people often say, "Well, when you go re- you know researching and looking for for shows to 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 bring." To Donegal, you, you must get to you know to, to see some you know brilliant you know music and theatre and you know visual arts. Um, 
but for me, it's actually looking at the faces of the people in the audience because it's the, they're the people that make it, and it's to see how they react. So it's not necessarily looking at the stage. I spend most of my time looking the other way away from the stage to see how people are reacting. So it is when you see the joy and when you see the kind of you know the the reactions from people when 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 they when they get to experience what you what you've been working on for so long. It's 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 invaluable. Uh, just on your role as festival director over the years, Paul, is there a standout moment or a standout performance for yourself? It's very hard to pinpoint one. You know, um, some some of the some of the performances we're doing, you know, the the outdoor performances which take place in the Donegal landscape are, have been the most memorable. There's a lot of work that we're working on a project with uh, Lux for next year, and they do a lot of like landscape theatre. You know, so it's stuff that's done on beaches, and and that is where you kind of really get. You know, a mixture of what inspires us, which is the landscape, and obviously the artists as well too, working together to create really, really special work. The commissions that we do are very important. I mean, the the, commi- the last commission we did between um, ourselves and the festival in India, in Rajasthan, was between um, Irish musicians and Rajasthani musicians from the Thar Desert, and that's gone on. That's going back to India again now. That's going back to a festival in uh, in Jodhpur, which is. Um, going to take place in October so the work that we do is not just that it's, it's, it happens in Donegal but that it gives it an opportunity for artists to develop their, their talents and then promote themselves as well internationally Tell me Paul what's the best lesson that you've learned since taking on the role of the festival director 15 years ago um, always expect the unexpected <laughs> you've had a few of those moments I take it exactly you know so uh, no but I think it's uh, you know uh, it's, I suppose the, the the biggest lesson is that you, for me, I just think is that you never stop learning, you know, and you have to be always kind of open to that, and you know things are cha- ever ever evolving, and and it's important to be to listen to 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 the people who make it, which is the 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 audience and and the people who are uh, coming to the festival and the artists as well too. And why do you think that the Eric Arts Festival has been so successful and is still continuing to grow? Um, I think because it, fundamentally it's a partnership organisation that works with the different people all over the county. So it works with arts organisations like partners like the Angreen Theatre, the Regional Culture Centre, the Baller and Ball Buffet, um, Artlink in, in, in Bunkrana, um, the Arkland and Gidor. Um, so it, it's it's really and, and, and also not only arts organisations but community organisations. So it might be the Core Commons and and on Armour or in Antori. Um, and it's that network and that sharing of resources and sharing of expertise which kind of makes the, the festival what it is. We, we're the only arts festival in Ireland which operates across a, a, such a wide geographic area. Um, so we're unique in that respect. But also it's, it's unique in the fact of how many people you know, play a part in it. And, and it's that thing where it's, you know, it's the sense of ownership is not about that it belongs to one company or one organization or one, you know, um, person. Is it... It's really it's it 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 belongs to to people of Donegal, you know. So that that, that that's what, I think that's what makes it make, make, makes it very unique. And finally, Paul, what does the future hold for yourself and the Eric Arts Festival? Um, I I I wouldn't kind of want to conjecture about myself. <laughs> I think I think the last last couple of years have shown us as well too. That it's very it's very you know. Life throws things at us you don't you don't know. But I I, I would like to see the festival just be consolidated in terms of work that it's doing. You know, it's um, maybe maybe it's uh, that we on its fortieth birthday that it is operating across the whole county, that we're able to reach out and we're able to give more people an opportunity in Donegal to create work, that we inspire people 
to to make great work. You know that we give an opportunity to to really kind of showcase the best of, of of Donegal on the world stage, and and that, and that it actually provides you know an opportunity for people to to get together again. That's you know I suppose the aim of festival. It's about congregation and celebration. So you know we we, we love that that it continues on. You know it, it it has to evolve. It has to change. So whether I'm here and on his 40th birthday, I don't know. Um, but certainly I would I would like to see it kind of you know. Um, Say consolidate the great work that has been done o- over the years. You know, really kind of we're we're standing on the kind of shoulders of giants here. You know, the people who've gone before and set it up and guided along the way of its thirty-five you know years has been really really a, a phenomenal achievement. So, it'd be great to see it just continue on. Paul Brown, CEO and artistic director with the Eric Arts Festival. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Thanks, Kim. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guests, Lisa Breslin and Paul Brown. Thanks to Kevin Fury on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. The part-time Level 8 Honours degree in business is delivered through a mix of online and face-to-face lectures. Email execedbusiness at lyit.ie. That's E-X-E-C-E-D, business at lyit.ie or call 9186206.